Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Murder and Misery. My name is Heather and I know very little about true crime. Last season I knew nothing, now I know a little. <laughs> My name is Jillian and I'm a little bit more of a true crime expert than I was last year. True. We started this podcast so that I could learn more about true crime because Jill is obsessed and I am terrified and it's actually worked out pretty well and I haven't been too scared and so hopefully you won't be too scared either and maybe you'll learn something. If you're new to our podcast, each week Jill tells us a new story, including both local and national cases. Now let's get started with season two. Okay, so before we get started, this case contains mention of child abuse and a brutal child death. Listener discretion is advised. We're going to start today in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on February 23rd of 1957, where a young student attending LaSalle College allegedly was near a home for troubled girls called Sister of the Good Shepherd. And he was hoping to get a peek of some of the girls when he noticed what he thought to be a doll's head in a box in the brush. Thinking it was a doll, he thought nothing of it and carried on as usual until he heard of a girl that was missing from New Jersey. This made him rethink and return to the scene two days later, finding the boy's body and calling the police. The boy? Mm-hmm. He thought it was a girl, but it was a boy. Oh, okay. Though some say that it, it is mixed reports because some say that he knew it was a body before, but he didn't want to get in trouble for spying on the girls. I was going to say. I was like, okay. Yeah. Which <laughs> I don't here know. for suspicious activity. I don't know which story is true, but. Yeah, we'll never know. Right. And we also know that the boy was also seen possibly before or after the student when a muskrat hunter named John Sachowicz was out checking his traps. He said he saw the boy's body in the box but didn't call police because he didn't want to get in trouble for laying traps, so he just left. John, you are trash. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty bad. Literally. Like, I'm sorry, but you don't want to get a fine for laying traps, so it's... Don't Instead, this a dead body, body is out outside? Literally. It's, it's a small child. I wouldn't have even, like, came, I, the fact that he came forward and was like, oh, yeah, like, I saw that too, but I didn't rope. I would have kept that to myself if I was that bad of a person. Yeah, I, I don't understand how that came to light because clearly he wasn't willing to say anything before. Right. And they don't really say, like, how, but I'm assuming it was one of those things that when it came out in the news, he he was like... I guess, felt bad or something and went to the police to say what he saw, but, like, to admit that you just didn't want to get in trouble. Like, did he think it was going to be a good excuse? Because it is certainly not. It's just, what could you have seen that you needed to report if they already found the body? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe he told somebody and they forced him to tell the police or something. That could be it, too. Again, or we'll never know. Maybe he didn't know it was, a, like, a little child. I don't know. Which, if you find anybody, you should tell the police, because, mm But when police did arrive to the scene, they found a young boy believed to be between four and six in a JCPenney bassinet box. The boy was unclothed, malnourished, and had been beaten to death before being wrapped in a flannel blanket and discarded in the box. Police immediately began searching for the boy's identity. Years later, in an interview, the first police officer that arrived said that this case was one that you wouldn't forget and how bothered the whole task force was. 
And honestly, yeah, like horrifying. The unidentified boy was described as a pale Caucasian male with light brown, sandy colored hair and blue eyes. He was 30 pounds and three foot four inches. His hair was matted and parts had been cut off in clumps. He had seven scars, the main ones appearing on his groin, ankle, and chin. They believe some of these were from surgery. His body was covered in bruises and his palms and feet were swollen, indicating he may have been submerged in water around the time of his death. The medical examiner concluded that his growth was stunned from malnourishment and abuse, and his cause of death was most likely blunt force trauma to the head. They used finger and footprints in hopes to find a matching medical birth record, but were unsuccessful, pointing to the likelihood of him being born at home. Though it was discovered he had been treated with medicine for an eye infection prior to his death, they also noted his nails were kept trimmed despite his obvious neglect. They believe he was killed a few days prior to being found, as the box was dry and weeks prior it had rained. The bassinet box was 15 inches by 19 inches and 35 inches. It had furniture, fragile, do not open with a knife on it, and the blanket the boy was found wrapped in was 64 inches by 74 inches and appeared to be cut in half and recently washed. It was faded with traditional Native American diamond shapes in white, brown, green, and red. Another piece of the blanket was found inside the box with automotive grease smeared on it. The Philadelphia Inquirer printed 400,000 flyers with images of what the boy looked like on them, and they were spread everywhere, including in residents' gas bills. Police went to every neighborhood, hospital, and orphanage, but no missing children were reported. I do want to say that um, them, like, including the flyers with gas bills is very smart, Mm -hmm. and it kind of, I was like, why don't we do stuff like that now? But honestly, like, social media... Well, nobody gets paper bills anymore. Yeah, that too. I still get paper bills. Do you? I have to file everything. All of our stuff is like automatic. (laughs) Well, all of my bills come out automatically because I would come home and find my lights turned off because I forgot. Right, us as well. (laughs) Yeah, but I have to get the bills like paper because I have to put them in a filing box because that's the only way that I feel like an adult. Okay. It's the only adult thing that I do. Okay. Um, But... But you feel like social media has taken that role? Yeah, because you don't hear, like, very rarely do you find people using flyers. I mean, I know, like, occasionally I'll see, like, a missing, like, cat or dog um, or, like, yard sale type of thing. But I feel like since the introduction of social media, like, the use of flyers and stuff like that and, like, milk cartons, they used to put missing kids on milk cartons, Mm -hmm. like, all of that has decreased tremendously, which social media, I mean, it gets stuff out there faster and all that stuff, so I think that's great, but I just think it's interesting in retrospect. In Kansas City, people still use flyers quite a bit. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, at Rockhurst on our campus, there were flyers for everything all the time. Like, missing people flyers? No, but, like, for events and, like, things that were happening. Oh, like on uh, tack boards, what are they called? Poster just boards? everywhere. They would put them up with blue tape on the wall. Hmm. Like painter's tape to try to not damage the walls. But they were everywhere. And like anywhere you would go in Kansas City, more like bigger public places would have spots for flyers. Like, you know how you go on the DMV and there's like that place for all the business cards? Mm-hmm. It would be similar to that. Like there would be like a place for people to put stuff up. Hmm. And I did see quite a few. 
Well, that being said, I've never been in a subway, but I feel like when I see subways in movies, they always have flyers on them. There And there might be. I don't know. I've never been to one either, but in like public buildings and stuff like that, hmm. I did see a lot of flyers. Not for missing people, but like right. in search of a couch or free couch or Kittens. I mean, literally like Facebook or literally like social media. But my, yeah. my, my grandma used to use um, KWRE. They used to have like, <laughs> it was so cute. It would be, I don't remember what day, like a Tuesday morning or something like that. And they would have a little thing where you could like call in and it would be like, hi, I am selling a rocker chair. It is walnut colored and stained and it's in good condition. Um, it's $15. If you want to contact me at phone number, like, I just think that's so cute. Sorry, but like, no, I get it. Like, I don't even know if they do that. Another anymore. way to do that, right? That was like Facebook Marketplace before Facebook, right? That oh. would be really impractical at this point. I feel like. Oh yeah, but it was, and you definitely would not want to give your phone number out a, no. over the radio. No, it was just. And I'm, I'm sorry, KWRE, because I know you're still a thing, but I don't know if they still do that. But it was. It was. I feel like it was just all like the elderly using it as their own Facebook. Yeah. I didn't think about bigger cities. You know? Yeah, I just did. I did see them quite a bit in Kansas City. It makes sense. But it could be because, like I said, on campus, they put flyers for everything that's happening. And even, like, farmer's markets, like, in the community, mm-hmm. they would come and, like, put up a flyer so that students would know to go. But, yeah, maybe, maybe it's more just for that kind of a th- – more for, like, a campus community type of thing – was the bulk of it, but I did see them in a few public buildings. That makes sense. Um, so police traced a serial number on the box and found eight of the 12 customers that had bought it, but the leads went nowhere. Eight the, of the 12? Yeah. So, sorry, maybe I should give more context. The bassinet, mm-hmm. they traced the serial number and then they were able to find... Like, so there were only 12 with that serial number? Yeah, only... Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess maybe it was the batch or something. I don't know. But there was only 12 people that bought it, and they were able to find eight of them. And that also went nowhere. Bummer. Mm-hmm. By this time, police ran out of resources and leads onto the identity of the boy, and eventually an employee at the medical examiner's office named Remington Bristow decided to publish a false story in the newspaper saying that the boy's death was an accident and the family was poor and couldn't afford a funeral. In the beginning, that sounds bad that he, like, did that, but he did have a good cause for it. He said he did this in hopes to coax someone out in the case and even put up $1,000 of his own money, which today is a little over $11,000. Police even thought maybe the boy was hidden as a girl prior to his death as his haircut and his eyebrows were more femininely styled, so they released a sketch of him dressed as a female in hopes that this would help someone remember something. But still, this went nowhere, and the boy was eventually buried in a potter's field, which is a site where strangers and John and Jaden Doe's are buried. Oh. This was in Holmesburg, Pennsylvania. His tombstone said, quote, Heavenly Father, bless this unknown boy, February 25th, 1957. There have been many theories about the boy in the box over the last 65 years, Many looking for his identity, and some theories being that he was the child of a foster home owner's unwed daughter. 
this came after Remington, the one who put up the reward money, spoke to a psychic, and she led him to this foster home where he saw a bassinet that looked similar to the JCPenney one and the blankets that looked similar as well. After pursuing this lead, it was also a dead end, which those blankets are mass-produced. So, Yeah. Um, in 2002, a woman... I bet he felt excited whenever he got there, and it seemed like it was going to work out, though. Yeah. Which, honestly, I don't know, like, how that lady figured that part out. It's very coincidental, but... Yeah. In 2002, a woman said that the boy was purchased by her abusive mom and that his name was Jonathan and that her mother beat him to death in a fit of rage after vomiting up baked beans one night. She tried to bathe him after beating him, and this seemed plausible as we knew he had threw up and that he had baked beans in his system. He also had the evidence of water on his palms and feet before death, which would line up with the bath story, but police were never able to verify this story. The boy in a box remained a mystery that was until December 8th, 2022. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. I love whenever we solve crimes. Right. We, we knew on this podcast. No, I just think that's so cool. Yeah, for sure. So investigators announced that they had an identity. Joseph Augustus Zarelli. Born wow, on- wait. His name was very close to Jonathan. It was. I thought, yeah. Um, He was born on January 13th of 1953, making him four at the time of his murder. They found his identity after exhuming his remains and gathering a DNA sample, which was traced back to his family on his mother's side. They were able to find his identity, as well as the identity of his father and mother, who had three other children, some of which are still alive, so for that reason they have not released the names of the parents. They said... They still do have many questions about Joseph's life and also his death that they do not know, and they do not know who murdered him, but they do have suspicions. Philadelphia, The Philadelphia Police Department Commissioner, Danielle Outlaw, which is a lovely name to be in crime, mm-hmm. said that, quote, this is still an active homicide investigation, and we still need the public's help in filling in this child's story. This announcement only closes one chapter in this little boy's story while opening up a new one. So that's all we know so far. Um, I want to know why his siblings that are alive aren't telling them so. And I feel like they are. They just haven't, like... Or do they think one of them did it? But surely I don't not. Know. But I do want to say that some... Obviously, all speculations, all theories. Yeah. But it could also be that he was sold and they changed his name. They never said that that wasn't... They said that the leads went nowhere. But mm-hmm. they never said it was completely ruled out. So maybe, I don't know. Um, Yeah. I know that they are keeping a lot of things on the DL to respect the the siblings. I just, I'm sorry. I I don't like being disrespectful, but like that's, it's not disrespectful to solve a murder. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which like. So I don't understand what that means. So it's kind of like a, I don't know. It's. One of those, like, toss-ups, because now we do finally have his identity, but it's still, they don't know what happened. I mean, we don't, though. We just have his name. Right. Well, we have his, like, they didn't, they have his identity, but they don't have his story. Yeah, I guess that's true. So, I mean, at least, hopefully, I don't know the, any of the situation with the siblings, if they're older, younger, whatever. 
But like if this was a missing boy that they just their their brother disappeared, they didn't know what happened. That's great that they now have closure. But I don't think you can have full closure without full answers. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe they do know what happened. I but mean, don't you think that if they were, like, missing this boy and then they figured out that it was him, that they would, like, be posting about it and stuff and, like, want people to know, like, oh, my goodness, we found our brother, da 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 and not being weird about it? Well, they, don't you think? they would be old, so. I don't, but so what? I, I know, but. I'm, I, I mean, just think it's weird to request that you not, I just think it's weird to request that they not put the parent's name. Yeah. I just think that's weird. Which is suspicious. It's it's strange. You know? Yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, his siblings, I don't know if they're older or younger, but they have to be really old by this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I don't expect them to be doing, like, press conferences or anything like that. And it, it said some of them, so I assume some of them were older and have since passed on, but they wouldn't really release any. Which is kind of weird because they released his name, but not, not the name of his parents. Yeah, but there's probably a lot of people with that name. Yeah. So that is the case of the boy in the box, who we now know to be Joseph Augustus Zarelli. I'm really surprised that they weren't able to solve the case, just because I feel like you had you had listed, like, so many pieces of evidence. Mm-hmm. Like, so many clues, you know? There's, you know, it's in this specific box, which, like, who knows if they took the box from their own yard anyway. But specific box with this type of blanket with oil on it and, like, the fingerprints and the footprints and the, you know? Mm-hmm. I just I just feel like when you have that many clues, normally you're able to solve the case. Right. So I'm just surprised that it took until 2022. Right. And, like, they say they have suspicions, so I'm hoping that means that they have leads that they're, like, looking into. And that hopefully they, because this like, this blew up, like his identity. I assume that since they said they have suspicions that they have leads that they just haven't disclosed to the public yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, now, but I mean like way back when. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I just feel like when you have that many clues, typically you're able, you know, to follow something and get another clue and get another clue. I guess it doesn't work like that in real, in real life. It's just movies. And it's like, Philadelphia is a big city, so I feel like. If they distributed to 400,000 people, like, there's no way that someone didn't know something about something. Like, if that theory that they sold him or whatever is true, like, it's, I mean, I know we have, like, the Sean Hornbeck situation, but it's kind of hard to hide an entire child, you know? Yeah, it is hard, but clearly possible. Yeah. Um, And also, if you're going to purchase a child for sale, why would you then abuse them? For throwing up. Literally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you went out of your way to spend money on this, and then you decided you were going to kill them for throwing up. Like, children throw up. It just happens. That's like getting mad at your dog for throwing up. Literally. It's not like they tore up your homework. If they throw Honestly, up, they don't my, feel good. My dogs tear up my homework as well, so. And I, <laughs> they're still, they're still around. Do they make me mad? Yes. <laughs> They apologize after. They give me sad eyes, but I'm always like, sad eyes aren't enough. Scylla sighs at me. I need you to be good. I just want to know, like, they didn't say the identity of this woman in 2002, but 
I feel like we should look more into that because it is kind of ironic that she knew he had baked beans in his system. She knew he threw up and like her story kind of lines up with it. Yeah, but didn't did they not release that information to the public in the beginning? I don't know. See, because if, if they had released all the information in the beginning, then she could have just read the reports and regurgitated, you know? Yeah, when this happened in the 50s and she didn't say anything until 2002, which I do know that, well, I do know that in some situations the child will wait until the parent's dead. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Maybe her mom died. Or something. Of course, this is all speculation because they were never able to confirm this story. Yeah. But I'm wondering if that's one of the ones that they're looking into. What If the siblings know anything, these are the questions that are not answered that I would like answers to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's really strange. Well, season three, episode one, maybe we'll have an update. <laughs> Maybe. Or maybe <laughs> sooner than that. Hopefully <laughs> If sooner. we're lucky. Right. Thank you guys so much for listening to the second episode of season two of Murder and Misery. If you haven't entered the giveaway, that's going to close tonight at the end of the day. So we'll announce the winner first thing tomorrow morning. And if you haven't followed our TikTok or Instagram, please do. You have to follow our, well, you don't have to, but one of our giveaways is on the Instagram. One of them is on the Facebook. No giveaway on the TikTok. We don't post on the TikTok. And we will be back together next week with another episode. Hey, bye. Bye.